Hey, everybody. Welcome to the The Adventure Zone Zone uh, Max Fun Drive Edition 2023. Man, that was a lot of subtitles. But we're here. Basically, uh, we're focusing on Siebel Chase this time around. I'm very excited we haven't done a T-Taz uh, for uh, Siebel Chase yet. And as I mentioned, it is the Max Fun Drive. If you haven't already, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash join to support the Adventure Zone and all the other Max Fun shows there. Uh, help us keep the metaphorical lights on. You don't really need lights to make a podcast, but you you know what I mean. Uh, Justin, are you ready for lots of questions? Yeah. Okay. First, let's start right here. In the past, you've said that you did not want to GM uh, and mentioned anxiety as a reason. What inspired you to overcome that anxiety uh, to GM Steeplechase? And now that you're in it, uh, do you think the anxiety motivates you or hinders you? That's from Ty. They, they also said, personally, I think you're doing an amazing job. I don't know why you would leave that off. I was ending with Whoa, that. I was wow. going to say, and Ty says that they think you're doing an amazing job. Um, I think that my, my, anxi my anxieties about it were not like anxiety, like capital A. It's more just like I hadn't done it before, so I didn't really yeah. know what I was doing. And I, I think that it seems very, very hard and is very, very hard um, in the sense that it requires a lot of work. Uh, I, I finally decided to do it because, like, honestly, I just needed a new challenge. I needed something new, like, creatively, um, to to do to to try to push myself. And I realized that, like, if I deciding to do blades, kind of opened it up for me because I realized, like, if we did a completely different system, I could, I could that was a little bit more streamlined that's been like the biggest sort of holdup is being able to do all that stuff. Um, and honestly, once I started thinking about heists and Disney, the, it kind of like, I don't know, it just all sort of started to congeal. Um, and that's been the weird, that were you, a, were you a heist kind of fan before? Cause I know you're a Disney fan, but was heist like a big thing for you before that? No. I mean, I, I always like a heist, but who doesn't like a heist, right? Everybody likes a heist. Well, the um, victims, Justin. I like the victims. Yes, don't like true. it. <laughs> Except sometimes you can kind of tell, like, "Oh, you, you know, yeah, you, you rascals, you scamps." Um, I was unprepared for how much of it would just sort of come when it felt like it. Uh, yeah. That's kind of annoying, <laughs> you know. Uh, normally, we have the pressure of having these microphones in front of us, and you you have to start talking and doing jokes. Um, I was unprepared for how much of the. DM world building type stuff would be like, I don't know, I'm in the shower and then, oh, there it is. Okay, well, great, thanks. Okay, I'll go write that down or something. One of my favorite um, things that happens during the course of Steeplechase is at some point in almost every episode, either Griffin or Travis will follow a, a Justin complaint with, yeah, bud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. <laughs> it's genuinely brought us closer together, knowing <laughs> that you uh, you're, you're familiar with the plight now. Um, let's see, this is from Nelson, uh, and you'll never believe this. My question is, uh, for Justin, what, if any, amusement parks apart from Disneyland or Disney World did you draw inspiration from, uh, for the setting? And how did that influence the specific layers as well as the larger Dentonic family plot? Um, so Disney's, uh, Disney looms large, um, I think, an, a other big influences theme park wise are just the ones that we spend a lot of time at Camden park is like a local amusement park in like the Huntington area that has like a lot of old classic rides, like a very sort of 
nostalgic sort of park. If you saw the Mabim Bam TV show, it's where we filmed a lot of the uh, intro sequences. Um, and uh, King's Island was a big one for us growing up. And that's just like a, a theme park ass theme park. Like it's, it's, you know, in the grand tradition of any of the Cedar uh, fair parks and places like that. Um, so those are two big ones, but honestly, like my fixation with like uh, immersive theater is probably looms larger than those other parks. Like the idea of like things like sleep no more and, and uh, the, Burnt City and Drowning Man, other other punch drunk stuff, as well as like, um, more, uh, uh, like ARGs, you know, things like that. Any sort of like immersive, uh, alternate reality experience like that. I I've always been sort of into, into those sorts of things. So that's a, another big, big influence. How do you it. see that? What's the influence there? What's like? Can you give some examples? Um, it's the idea that you would be like Disney does doesn't do what we pretend they like that Dentonic does, which is create these like immersive experiences. And I'm very interested in the idea of like your survivor is a good example, right? I think about this a lot. It can you have, and, and I think that it is, is applicable to this, even though that's more of a, a reality TV show. Can you have morality within survivor? Like is it, can you be in a game where it's a completely immersive game and it's set up to be this thing of betrayal. Can you make an immoral choice? I mean, outside the obvious, uh, an immoral choice that's like within the bounds of the game. Like, can you, is there a morality to that if, if you're just trying to get to the top? And I think about that a lot with like immersive theater. Like, is what am I bringing of myself to this? What, you know, how does this change? How does the idea of like losing my identity in this world change? Uh, who I am and how I conduct myself. Um, and I think that's a really interesting question that um, I've thought a lot about with, with steeplechase. And that's kind of a, an, an increased, a, 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 a boosting of the whole appeal of live theater is the fact that you make a connection. And if the people on the stage do their job and behind the scenes do their job, you are brought into the story. And mm -hmm. it's one of the things that makes live theater unique um, as a as an art form, and it, and it just connects with you. Mm -hmm. uh, this one's from Freddie. You stated in the past that you were unwilling to GM a long-form game on the podcast. I was overjoyed when I heard you had changed your mind and were going to run a whole campaign. Has it lived up to your expectations, running the game, I mean, uh, whether good, bad, or neutral? Uh, have you gained a, a new perspective in general? Um... And then a follow-up question for anybody. How do you like GMing compared to being a player? I will say I I uh I think, and this is probably applicable to something in your life, listener. Um, I think that I was in in my original fear about it, I was trying to like sort of eat the whale all at once. Like I was trying to eat the whole airplane rather than just like taking it off piece by piece and, you know, covering off a bit of the wheel and then eating it that way. The like normal way to eat an airplane. Yeah, mm -hmm. a normal way to eat an airplane. Um, and I was trying to eat the airplane all at once. And I was thinking like, how do I open up my mouth and just consume an airplane? It's like, the answer is you don't. You just sort of start slowly chipping away at it. And I, I think that that is, I have had moments of a lot different self-doubt, but it's like specific, like, I don't really know what to do with this or I don't really know what I'm doing with this or uh, because it is like a collaborative thing. 
and it's something that is ongoing, I actually like have had to get comfortable with the idea that like not knowing what I'm doing with this is maybe more useful than, than being wedded to something that I'm trying to achieve. Uh, my style is much more like, and this is only, this could only be sort of earned through the amount of time that we've done this together. My style is much more like I'm putting out several different things that I think are interesting and cool and seeing what, where they sort of take it. Um, and I, I, I really enjoy that, that back and forth. I, it is disconcerting sometimes to not be able to prepare more weirdly. Yeah. Um, and that's part of what I liked about blades. What drew me to this is like, I couldn't sit there and write down a 40 page story doc when like, we're kind of making it all up, you know, together. And I have to be reactive to what you're doing. It's great too. Cause that's, that is a thing that we always struggle with. I feel like, and yet is when the show is at its best is when we're playing that way. And it's why I think Blades is such a great fit is like all the stuff about like not planning a heist before you actually do it. Like all of those things are kind of perfect for the way we want to do the the show. Um, as far as like which we prefer, I think I like being a player better um, just because I like uh, the ability to kind of be more reactive to things that interest me specifically, like that I, and I know, man, listen, that really sums up Travis McRoy as a person, doesn't right. it? <laughs> but like when something happens and I'm like, oh, I'm hooked on that, I wanna find out about that. And that can be uh, like, that can be difficult to completely jarring if you're the DM who's like, I wanna follow this thing because it's interesting to me. That said, uh, I've played some not uh, on on the, um, not on the air, uh, I've DM'd some stuff since graduation, and it's a skill that I feel like I'm developing more at, um, and like doing dust too as part of that and stuff. So the more I practice at it, the more I enjoy doing it, um, because I I get more into the God. This is so I'm so sorry. The more jazz feeling of it. Oh boy. And when I Whoa. I know. Listen, I know. Uh, but that like following the riff and being in the moment of like what everybody's like hooked into and everything. It's just, man, it's so much more draining, I think, to be the GM than to be the player, yeah. uh, obviously. And so I don't think it's something that uh, I could do regularly if I'm not like fully hyper fixated on it and fixed on it in the moment at all, you know? How about you, Ditto? Do you like which? Do you have a preference? It's hard to say. It's it's uh, being a player is more fun from a like from a traditional uh, definition of the word fun. Uh, but I also I don't know that anything really scratches the like creative satisfaction of of like GMing and feeling like it's coming together. How do you spell Schlebethany? From Pat, yes. and when is she getting? Pat says, "When's when is she getting her own movie?" But I mean, like cereal uh, or story or clothing line. I think Shul Bethany could be a multi-level uh, she's, she's, she integration. S H L A B E T H A N Y. Jupiter uh, is is on our team. He's like our executive office assistant who makes everything uh, and is also sort of my co dm my <laughs> my scribe for all the stupid is. shit that i say and uh jupiter will often come to be like how do you spell i don't know schlebethany or paul pantry's perfect porridge or whatever goofy stuff i'm saying at that moment so it's it's it you know you talk and then you don't really think about it, like oh somebody's got to write that down 
But yeah, that's Schlebethany. I I mean, Schlebethany's around. Yeah. A lot of people apparently have asked who everybody's favorite Chase NPC is, and I, I think Schlebethany is a very powerful frontrunner. So I'm going to just say, besides Schlebethany, mm. who is everyone's favorite NPC? God, mighty. I have to go with Deep Dark. Deep, Deep Dark's Dark pretty Dark's good. Pretty. Deep, Deep Dark kills me. I, I mean... Deep Dark is weird because Deep Dark is one of those that, like... That just started happening. Do you guys ever have that? Where mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, it's I. He just started. Like, it, it sounds stupid. Like, I don't know. But it probably sounds dumb. But like, that just started happening, and I was actually just not second guessing it because it's like, this is weird. I wonder why this guy is here. <laughs> like, it's. Yeah. A, I joke about that a lot, but it's pretty true to my creative process. I just got started talking, and that guy started doing his thing. It's like, oh man, that's weird. Okay, fine. There's this thing happening. I I don't know if you're doing it intentionally, and I'm even worried that saying something will ruin it. But like in it reminds me of in Parks and Rec, there's this thing where every time they would have like a townsperson stand up at like a meeting or something, they like all have like the same last name randomly, right? And there's something about that from a writer's perspective that's so funny to me that they were just like, Yeah, just make it another one of this guy. And so you just calling like NPCs that you think are going to have like two lines, just call him Justin. That's good. It's so funny to me <laughs> of just like, it's just, don't worry about it. Um, I'm a skull, Scott Bullflex stand till I die. Um, I love that dad just has a sexy button. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a sexy guy to come out. That's like a, that's, that's not like a D and D spell that I have heard of before. This is great, too, because uh, I think about it every time Dad uses Scott Bullflex in a moment where Scott Bullflex has got to be thinking, like, I was promised I was going to be integrated into some kind of arcade experience, but it seems like this old creep just brings me out to seduce people <laughs> all the time. <laughs> when do I get to be in my game? Well, here's the beauty of using Scott Bowflex. All I got to do is push the button, call on Scott Bowflex, and then Justin has to take over again. Yeah, yeah man. Right. That's true. <laughs> here's one from Sierra for Dad. Dad, Clint, do you have a notebook again like you did for Zooks? Oh, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I am uh, about 35 pages in on this notebook. Um, That's impressive. And just flipping through it, um, just pollen broth. And uh, (laughs) let's see, uh, the fighting bed bugs. uh, So much in here. Uh, Delphi Reynolds. No idea who any of this can, is. Yeah, can I ask you a question, Dad? Do you ever worry, and I, I mean this sincerely, Do because I would worry about this, that by like taking, like by writing stuff down and focusing on writing stuff down, that you're like miss either no. missing something or that you're not internalizing it, you know, because like that, that would be my worry is that I'd be so focused on writing stuff down that I'm like catching you know, one thing and missing two. No, I really don't because my, um, now this sounds like a gag, but it's really not. My journalism background was always taking notes while listening to a press conference or a conversation or discussion, um, along with things like, you know, reading memos upside down on a mayor's desk, you know, the, you know, stuff, the you know, Fletch, Fletch kind of, yeah, 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 Fletch stuff. Um, but no, I, and I usually, uh, jot something down in shorthand and then go back in and, and fill it in later um, uh, with with more degree. 
But it's come in so handy. Came in so handy with Zooks so many times. And uh, there have been quite a few times in this game where, you know, it's come in handy, like remembering Scott's parents' names and and stuff like that. So That was hysterical. I was feeling like such hot shit when we started the dating show arc. <laughs> and then the very first thing that was asked of me, I completely fucking failed. How about the one from Abby? When you're recording, what are you looking at? Is it full theater of the mind? Do you have a visual reference as to where your characters are in the space? How does that affect the way you play your character specifically in terms of battle high scenarios as opposed to plot moving role play heavy parts? I think one of the things I've really had to get used to is unlike D&D Blades in the Dark is not combat centric. No. And when we do combat, it's it's a lot more um solution based um than, you know, beaten up. It's kind of like I I kind of compare you. Well, yeah, I was going to say I beat people up left and right, my dude. I look at it like Dark Souls. You know, you face face a boss, and it's not necessarily how fast or how strong you are or how your spells are. It's there is a way to beat this boss. Yeah, and, and figuring that out, and and you know, and maybe this is just because I'm not playing, you know, a brawler or playing a uh, tank in this game. Yeah, it's interesting because I I I think. For for me, I so I I think benefit a little bit both from just the way I picture things in general, but also I listen to uh, a lot of uh, audiobooks. Like I can't really sit down and read anymore, so like I listen to audiobooks. So I've gotten pretty good at like picturing the scenes in my mind just like naturally. So as we're describing like the gutter city uh, laundry chase, right? Like I I I don't need to like draw out. Uh, positions of the car or like I can picture it and then for me as far as like figuring out the next thing to do it's usually a matter of like that thing clicked of an idea I don't need to think anymore if there's different options it's it's the same way I pick what to eat at a restaurant as soon as I see something that looks good I stop looking at the menu because I don't want to like start to confuse and be like well I could do this or this or this it's like nope that's the thing you chose to do, and that's what we're gonna do. Um, and so I'm usually like just kind of picturing it in my head. Uh, I think it would be hard to. We've started filming uh, my brother, my brother, and me to put up video clips and stuff. I don't think I could do that. No, with Adventure Zone because of how much I'm just like staring into the middle distance, like picturing what to do. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, we also use Roll Twenty, which like we don't use it necessarily for a heavily like visual purpose but um i i do like having our multiple sheets in in front of me and also i have the blades in the dark like reference site up because we are still kind of figuring that one out um but it's hard i try to get i try not to get like tunnel vision on that stuff because i will just fully start ignoring uh what is being said which is not good uh, Darby asks, been loving getting to hear you all explore the different genres with each level. Is there a particular genre you'd most like to try to explore, either in Siebel Chase or a future mini-campaign? Um, there's a, is there like a future sci-fi layer? There is, I uh, think, right? Uh, what did I call it? Infinitum? Is that what it's called? Something I had like two that, names for yeah. it. 
Um, I just don't have my dock up right now. It's infinitum or... Oh, the sidereal age. That's what it's called. That's good. The sidereal age? The sidereal age. Sidereal age. Got it. It's a cool-ass name, man. Just you're still going to uh, come up with cool-ass names, man. Yeah, you're really good at that. You're really good at not being embarrassed by saying, like, like fantastic made-up bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And no matter how goofy or dumb it sounds, I'll just say it. You yeah, know, yeah you're very care. confident in that. I can't do that. Um. Yeah, Griffin, I was actually thinking of this. I would love to do, like, a... um. Not even like space, but like hyper, like pure punk. Oh no! See, I was gonna say more like uh, you know, the original Star Trek like space opera. of like space. Yeah, yeah, but like space rangers, kind mm-hmm. of like very swashbuckling space heroes. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be absolutely wild. Well, we've talked a lot. So, Every time we start talking about what are we going to do in the next season and what are we going to play. We've we've talked a lot about doing kind of a swashbuck swashbuckling, uh, you know, space, space opera kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Maybe think we'll it's just it. like that idea hasn't like no, not all of us like that idea, and none of us have <laughs> had that like core that everything pulls around and gives you like, oh yeah, it all just solidified right there. All right, I'll start working on that. Thanks, right. Matt. You would be the one to do it, um, Justin. Is there like? Well, I don't know how much you want to give away. I was going to ask if there's like a genre coming up that you're like, I can't wait to do this one. But um, if you don't want to give it away, you don't have to. Yeah. I mean, if somebody wants to give it away to me, I would love that. <laughs> um, it's no, it's it's really, I can't think that far. I mean, it it depends. I don't know how you guys are going to do what you're trying to do right now. Yeah. So it seems a little, uh, uh, I, I have to be, and, it, and that's not even like a, 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 a question of not having enough time or whatever. Like, I can't, I have some, like, very general ideas for layers that would be fun, um, but, like, it really is just kind of all dependent on whatever you guys do next. It's very, it's very reactive. I think that that, frankly, is one of, like, uh, my biggest kind of learning takeaways, both from Blades of the Nork and watching you run it, is I think one of the things that I've gotten caught up in in the past of like DMing something of like, if I'm going to set up a challenge for the players, I also should be responsible for like knowing the way to solve it. So because they like, but then with Blades, it's more just like, it's not about that. It's like, if they find a way that works for them to solve it, you just have to say yes to it. Right. Right. So it's not like I figured out the answer to my own puzzle. And so you had to figure out what that answer is. It's much more of just like, here is a mountain to climb. And as long as you're moving towards the top, you're doing it right. I try to put myself in the mind of a player. I used to play a lot. So I, I mean, I used to only play. So like, I, I know that I never, I don't think on it. There's any episode where I said like, I don't know, this is too hard. I quit. I don't know. This is impossible. So I don't know. You'll figure, you'll figure something out. It'll yeah. probably be better than whatever, whatever I I come up with in a vacuum. Um, both David and Stephen asked questions about Crystal with a K. Um, one, I mean, okay. uh, David wanted to know if uh, was it always an idea for her to have a mini subplot, and Stephen really wanted to know how uh, Autumn C V Hicks became involved in the podcast oh, uh, and the development of her character. Um, well, right. you see, uh, back in high school, I started riding the bus with this uh, girl named Autumn, mm-hmm. yeah. and she and I became friends. 
And then Justin asked her to be on the podcast. It's and that's that basically, easy. I think. Um, we have kind of a shared, our, our families both have like a shared interest in Disney stuff. Um, we've we've gone to Disney before um, and, and have had different Disney like type discussions. And they're very into watching these sorts of like Disney fan videos from like blog vloggers, people who um, cover Disney for a living. And there's a, there's one named AJ who does a cycle Disney food blog and oh, yeah. Autumn just did like this killer AJ <laughs> impression one time that I thought was so funny. And then it's like, wait a minute, like it's funny, but it's like not the kind of like wide reaching, um, not, not everybody's gonna be like, Oh God, that's AJ from Disney food blog. But that is the sort of thing where I was like, well, wait a minute, shit, that could be a fun way to do like, catch people back up um yeah. and it's sort of become more than that crystal with a k kind of like creates like themes sometimes she'll like foreshadow stuff that's coming up i think like i've just never been very interested in like recaps so it, it kind of feels like uh i i try to kind of basically remind you what's going on but like by and large you know we'll we'll pick it back up so crystal with a k is that's kind of uh, and, and it's also like, I don't exactly know what's going on with Crystal of the K, obviously. So it's, it's just one of those that is just another thing that I have there in case it becomes useful, basically. Oh, and Autumn does a great job, by the way. If you don't listen to Autumn's, um, intros, she always makes the text like so much mm -hmm. funnier than, um, I, I, I wrote it. Um, also if you want more Autumn, Autumn has a uh, a great YouTube channel that you should go subscribe to um, where she posts lots of like fun lifestyle stuff and stuff about doing VO and, and everything. Autumn's the best. And if and speaking of reminding you what's going on, I want to remind you it's the Max Fun Drive. Uh, you and Travis. it's your chance to support. Really nice, dude. Good. Really nice. Thanks, bud. Thank you, guys. It's your chance to support uh, shows like this and the creators like us and the network that we are a part of, MaximumFun.org slash join. Uh, does somebody want to tell them about the reward levels oh, and entry levels of sure support? Sure will. Daddy. Yeah, $5. Uh, you get the bonus content over 500 hours of it. $10, you get the bonus content. And one of 37 reusable stickers by artist Olivia Fields. These are gorgeous, high-quality, and low-commitment stickers because they can be unstuck. Think about that. Um, also, uh, you get your own Letterpress MaxFun membership card. $20 gets you all that plus the MaxFun Culinary Kit or Rocket Hat. The Culinary Kit has the MaxFun Family Cookbook designed by Tom Deja, featuring recipes from your favorite MaxFun shows and a jar of bespoke Maximum Flavor Spice Blend. And if you're not into the culinary stuff, you can opt for the eco-friendly cap with an adjustable back and the MaxFun Drive rocket logo embroidered on it. Wow. Now, for 35 wow. you get all that and an apron designed by Sabrina. Wow. Bullard. It's a very nice apron. And for 50 all of the above, and a custom metal membership card. Hell yes. And if you go all the way for 100 bucks, He's gone too far. He's gone too far. All of the far. above, an HQ access pass, an immortalization of Max Fun HQ. And if you go for 200 all of the above. No, 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 no. This is gone. You've gone too far. Oh, gosh. It's okay, Dad. Dad, come back. Dad, come back. Come back to us, man. You're okay, He's, Now Just come on he's back. He's seen the void. Max Fun treasure box. Okay. Okay, great. Cool. 
MaximumFun.org slash join. Um, help us keep making this show. Let's see. Uh, okay, so uh, Rowan wants to know, if we were employed uh, to work at Siebel Chase, which layer would we want to work in? Seems like ephemera is the place to be. See, I like Gutter City. I like the idea of Gutter City. Uh, that's probably been my favorite genre of layer we've done so far, because I'm like way into noir and detective and that kind of stuff. And so like, I, I love that. I'm idea. way into detective. <clears throat> I'm always saying stuff like that, f- for sure. That I'm way into detective stuff, I believe is what I said. Or I believe there was another noun there. I like noir and detective. Those are my two big ones. Um, okay. I, um, uh, the one I've been most wanting to go to, we haven't even touched, and that's Backseat Blast. You get to be my age, and nostalgia is a very now, strong, motivating thing. What? Backseat Blast is in used to Ben. Yeah, you know that, right? I know, but I'm, I'm zoning, I'm zooming in on that. Oh, okay. It's where you sit that's in the back, the oversized backseat of your parents' car, and it's raining, and you, you listen to your disc man, and I just really flash back to you know, long trips in the back of a station wagon with a stack of comic books and a uh, a car sick bag. Um, because when yeah, I read Dad, comic how books, come you never took us. Uh, what? And just threw you in the back of a station wagon. You never took us on any car trips when we were growing up. Why is that? Well, I have a picture of the three of you crying and screaming in the back seat of a car during a car you trip. You can Photoshop anything. I don't want to yeah. hear it. AI. <laughs> Anything's possible. But I'd love to go to backseat blast and just sit there and feel small. I'd love to get blasted in the backseat. <laughs> um, I'm too old for Kidadelphia, so I don't actually know which which layer I'd pick. Probably ephemera. It seems pretty fun. Justin, what player's choices have surprised you the most so far? Also, if possible, please rate them on a one to five Bethany scale, five being the most surprising. And that's from whom? That's from, that's from Justin. Justin. But probably not ours. Um, Dad's sort of wanton disregard for his own personal safety, uh, physically speaking, is is a is a constant thrill. Um, I I am constantly sort of uh, the extent to which Griffin will go to avoid any sort of physical confrontation um, <laughs> is always fun because a lot of times Griffin will be the one that wanders into a situation um, and I'll be thinking like, wow, you're going to have to talk your way through this. I legitimately don't know how you're going to convince a brick wall to like separate or, or whatever it is. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's always fun. Um, I was surprised by how I didn't, the stuff with um, Hank Emmerich becoming sort of like, more uh, 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 cognizant of hard light as a possible like entity is is something that I like didn't expect. Um, in fact, I had kind of actively not wanted to wander into that sort of like Westworld uh, iRobot territory, but like the more we messed around with it, the more it just felt like we kind of have to like we we. That that question is just like hanging out in in the open air, and it's an interesting one, I think, with everything going on in the world. Um, so yeah, uh, but but it's but they're always so full of surprises. These boys, 
I'm glad I've been a nice, predictable boy for you, Justin. You're welcome. No, well, I mean, you just got these big muscles. Um, yeah. Uh, I And my I character do. does, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That was yeah. funny. Um, Anderson uh, asked, because Anderson's family had worked at a small amusement park in Ohio, uh, is there any chance we will get to meet employees of Steeple Chase that are not uh, like customer facing entertainers because Anderson can assure you that maintenance guys probably know about the buttercream because they know everything. Well, there's Justin. And there's Doug Mancetti. And then there's Justin too. Wait, now Justin. how do we know I how do we know Doug Mancetti's not I mean he's an entertainer, he's filming, he's there. Right? If you are participating in uh this is where it gets weird, right? If you're in Passions Cove, you're watching Doug perform. Wow, that's something else. I, I I can't think of my man Doug like that. I know, uh, right? You don't a, even know the real Doug Manzetti. Um, Who's the real Doug Manzetti, Justin? Tell me now. It's me. I'm doing the voice. <laughs> Holy shit. Surprise. It is you. I mean, it's hard because. Okay, to, for starters, they know about the buttercream. The buttercream is not a secret. Like, the Dentonic the knows about the buttercream. They just don't, they just kind of leave it be um, for, for the most part because it works out for them. It's not like a secret to them. Secondly, um, it's hard because if you are, like, we are usually bringing them into, like, having a guest experience within one of the layers, and you just simply would not, like, it's all so um, uh, built, built into the, like, you wouldn't, see maintenance people like that 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 is part of the the thing is like they would not be incorporated they probably would be incorporated in some like in world ways but like as far as like someone who is clearly not a part of the layer um then i don't think that you would uh necessarily encounter them as much but there are there are people that i think would fit that description that are around it just hasn't been uh hasn't been so we've run in too much um, Abby asked, and we talked about this a little bit, uh, but our, Abby asked if, as we're changing game systems and campaigns and stuff, uh, along with genres and settings and combinations, are there any game systems or anything like that that you've been looking at? Um, I would say, like, I have just started, uh, like, the idea occurred to me uh, looking into, like, kids on bikes and mm -hmm. that kind of, like, you know, kids... Go, getting together going on an, an 80s style adventure kind of thing is very interesting to me uh potentially pursuing that and doing a game around that kind of thing might be fun i honestly uh, i don't i don't uh i don't keep up with it very good i don't keep up with games very good so i don't know i wish i had something cool to say here i've looked at lots of game systems but i haven't thought about uh dming since i finished season one of ether so so, uh, from Tom, how does a system like Blades of the Dark compare with previous systems when it comes to creating and then role-playing a character? For example, Balance had character classes background that influenced the character choices for Magnus and Merlin Taco, whereas the Steeple Choice characters seem less tied to a particular style of play. I would agree with that immensely. Like, so much of Magnus came out of the prompts, like, when we first built the characters, uh, for like the what was going to be like that one episode bonus kind of thing, 
and it had the like, and what's your character's like core belief, and what's their biggest flaw, and yeah. that kind of stuff. I was and like, that's sure, great that works. for a certain type of playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I what I what I love about Blades of the Dark is this idea of like having these huge empty gaps that you fill in while playing. It also extends, I feel like, to character development. Like I don't, there's a lot I don't know about Montrose. Like a lot, a lot, a lot, and it's been fun, kind of just having that stuff appear uh, while we've been in the middle of just like a scene. Um, and I think that that is one of the the obviously you can do that with any game system, but I feel like with Blades in the Dark, it's just really easy to do that. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think I think that that also is uh like part of it where if you think about like heist movies like think about oceans 11 right the only things you know about those characters is like the stuff they're good at on the team and like the people they get along well with on the team like you usually only learn you don't know like are they married like do they have kids that doesn't matter don't worry about that we're just worried about like what they're doing right now and how they work with everybody else and i think yeah. blades in the dark lends itself to I- I think that there is some predetermination, if nothing else, just because of the way that that you operate. I mean, you've got you've got your skills, you you've got you know what you're able to do. You you know you maybe you're stronger in insight, prowess, and resolve, uh, or or one of those. And I think that if you're if you're trying to play it well, and I don't I mean I think we're all playing it better than when we first started. Um, but I think when you're playing it correctly, it does lend itself to that because I, it, it, Emmerich is not going to turn around and, you know, fight with him. He's not going to win an arm wrestling contest and, and you know, and he's not very good at swaying people. Um, and I think that has you play to your strength and also kind of refine that. Yeah, it's it's much less likely for you to do really, really good at something you're not skilled in in this game uh-huh. than in like a, D- a D&D, to be, for example. Yeah, because I mean, the less dice you have, like the less, it's not like a number scale, you know what I mean? It's, the, because it also, what's interesting is the, in D&D, the DM can decide how difficult a thing is, but like, well, that's a 12, that's a DC, 15, right. that's a DC, whatever. Whereas this is like, man, if you roll the four, the DM gets to decide, or the GM gets to decide, like what a mixed success looks like. But it is a mixed success, and so it's very interesting because it. I think it is uh, less of like you know what I'm going to try something uh, bold and wild, but not my skill set is not what that's for, uh, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Justin, Carly wants to know, how challenging was it to adapt the game to an original setting? Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Blades in the Dark is supposed to be set. Now I'm trying to remember. What's the name of the actual Dusk place? Duskfall. Duskfall. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like tied to like Duskfall. And like when you talk about factions, there are predetermined factions in Duskfall and all of that. Um, Justin, were there concessions you had to make in Vision of Steeplechase to fit the game? Or did the mechanics <clears throat> serve as more of a guide? Like what was the... Yeah, lots of thoughts. I mean, Dustfall is a really cool world that's very well detailed. Um, But, like, I knew that I was going to have to keep so much in my head already that I had to, like, jettison all of it um, because I couldn't keep track of, like, somebody else's thing that they had already made up. Um, And it didn't just click with with what I was doing. Um, So there's a lot of really cool stuff within Dustfall. Um, 
that it would have been nice to be able to use, but it's also sort of like weird to to just sort of lift that from from our buddy John Arbor wholesale. Like, this is our podcast now, John. Uh, but I you're allowed I, to use that story, John, if you want. Yeah, but, you uh, use we'll that story, John. Rights and stuff. Um, uh, there's some stuff, uh, you know. Specifically, there's some supernatural elements to Duskfall. Um, the presence of ghosts and like the, the way uh, the electrical grid works and stuff like that, that is inbuilt to um, the game system that I've had to sort of graft. I think we've talked about this before, but like graft those ideas onto technology, onto, onto hard, yeah, hard light. lights. A good example also- because we had to kind of take, you know, make that up from whole cloth. Control a ghost. In yeah. the, the rules document and right. then replace and sense yeah. a ghost, a trap light. a ghost, you know, all that kind of stuff we've kind of had to adapt. Um, the first character I was looking at doing before I came up with Montrose was a Whisper, which is the class that dad, that uh, Emmerich is. But I was worried about trying to kind of like do that constant replacement in my head while I was playing the character and got turned off of it. But I'm glad dad did because it's like a really cool sort of uh, tool to, to work with. But. Yeah, it's interesting because like, Carly uh, uh, also wanted to know about like building the characters and uh, especially playing like a cutter where the idea of like, I'm gonna sneak up behind this guy and like cut his throat or like, you know, throw him off a bridge or something. Like, I'm not gonna do that in this, because like these people, they're just working at the park most of the time. And it's not like, you know, I'm not going to like shiv shrook to get his key card or something. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's, it's a different thing. So thinking about it more. You can fucking try. I I never would. I never would. Out of respect. I know you would. And fear. Yeah. Uh, But it's also like uh, a bit of like then building a character who's very physically imposing and uses strength to solve problems, but not necessarily violence, like more strength based than violence based. Uh, of like submission rather than you know killing, um, I think m- made for. I think it's more fun than if I was just playing a solid murderous brute. Well, you made that you um, made that conscious choice to to change him and and make him. It was like a Wonder Man choice of you know he's not. I know Beef's yeah. not a pacifist, but you know it's it's much more creative what you've you've tried to do. Yeah, just trying to do, I mean, and I think one of my favorite moments we've had so far is when, like, we all kind of simultaneously suffered trauma during Gutter City. And I think those traumas, and I think that this is the way it's supposed to work within the game, were very informative to, like, how we were playing the characters. They were the first Um, major signposts, I think, for where we should mm -hmm. take literally all of our Mm -hmm. characters. Yeah, and it just really informed Beef's feel of, like, I don't want to like. I don't know how much more I can deal with this like violent violence and threat and like seeing people get hurt and that kind of thing. Of like, okay, cool. That's that's there, man. That's that's in his brain, and he's trying to find solutions and everything. And so, like, having a brute basically that doesn't really want to get hurt or see somebody get hurt. Uh, yeah, it's it's made it more interesting. The stress, me. the trauma, all those things. Have I? You got to applaud this game. That really has shaped all of our characters. You know, you can't just take a potion and you're healed, uh, or cast a spell and you're healed. You got to make conscious yeah, choices, like long rests or what, about yeah. what you're going to do. And I, I love that. And I think it has informed 
all three of our characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Especially a great. Especially me, yeah, the stress and indulge Vice Man is so cool. Um, yeah, I feel like I was really struggling to figure out what kind of character mantras like I wanted him to be until he got that reckless trauma, and now it's like, oh, okay, now I get to, now I have permission to make the most fun, arguably worst choice. Just any time I'm presented with with the option to do so, um, which is a, a great a great gift. Uh, Justin Nelson wants to know uh, how much do you feel percentage wise or however else you want to phrase it? Uh, do you think that you've had to make up on the spot because of curveballs that people have thrown at you? Um, it felt like that one scene with Hank came out completely out of left field. Who's Hank? Hank, Hank is the, the other creator uh, of Scott Boldflex. That was completely out of left field. That was fucking that was so I really thought that's where <laughs> That was completely out of left field. I had no idea. Oh, but I just like I had no choice, right? Like I started doing it. Like I fucking I'll be straight with you for the first minute of that, I had no idea who Hank Hart was. I could not remember any of that. And I was like madly trying to talk to you while I was looking through my reference documents. And I was like, ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, okay, maybe if sure, yeah. But it's uh, but it's also like I, I tell you what's nice about this, guys, though, it that works well for me is it's as good as anything else I had, which is to say nothing. I mean, I it 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 works just as well as um me coming up with something on the spot, as dad coming up with something on the spot, and I don't have a bunch of stuff. Ahead, like I, it's not like I've planned 18 steps ahead of this to where him being this person is going to fuck up anything. It's really like, oh, that seems really interesting. Let's see. I mean, let's see what happens. Cool. I've, I've really enjoyed kind of drinking from that cup a little bit when we first showed up in Ephemera, and I was like, what if, what if Montrose just knew a lot of stuff about Ephemera yeah. because he was like a big Ephemera geek? Uh, but then that's been fun because it's now it's like the SNL sketch that Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig did where they sang the song at the same time, just like <laughs> looking at each other. Oh, uh, no, no, no. It's, no, it was, um, uh, yeah, fuck, who was it? it, was, it Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. Yeah. 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 Uh, Kath and Kim, I think it is. It's been fun, because it's like, I, it, and Justin, I think, has been a good steward of it, because it, on one hand, I recognize, like, you can't just make it so that, like, there are no surprises. I can't be surprised by anything here, because I've done it all. Uh, but it's been, it's been, uh, I also like Disney shit. And so it's been fun to kind of get to flex some of that as well. Speaking of Jupiter, when I knew we were doing ephemera, I went to him and I said, listen, I need help coming up with fantasy garbage and it can't be good and it can't be really mean anything. I need like the Lipsum Aura version of lore. And yeah. Jupiter's like, you know what? I have my degree in this. And I had no idea. I was like, are you shitting me? Uh, he was like, yeah, 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 no problem. And he cranked out this like fucking lore document for Ephemera that is unhinged. Amazing. All the stuff about the- uh, The Viscounts. The, Vi- the Viscounts of the Seven, all that stuff is like, <laughs> Jupiter churned that out in like a few hours and like dumped it on my desk. He's like, here's a bunch, yes, for garbage boss, here's a bunch of garbage. And it's I like, love that. That's why it's so, that's why that stuff is so wild is because I, I purposefully like didn't want it to be interesting enough to try to pursue, but I wanted it to be implying that there's like a lot of it. And there is, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of it. 
You know, I don't. I think it was in Griffin said I'm into Disney shit too. Uh, Justin, I'm going to request now. Uh, just if there could be a layer at some point that is like a Toontown esque oh, feel, fun. I would fucking love. I was just watching a documentary about like or whatever about a video about the Mickey's like Toontown rise and fall at Disney World, and now it's, I believe, the circus. But, like, that was one of my favorite parts of, like, Disney World when I was a kid. And I was thinking about that of, like, oh, fuck, there's gotta be... Think about having a, a like, strong man brute in Toontown where there's, like, squash, squash and stretch and shit. I would love that. Uh, any other goodens? I'll tell you a good It's the Max Fun Network. It's a good podcasting network full of a lot of great podcasts like ours, this one, you're listening to here. Um, if you have noticed, we used to do these during Max Fun because this show was uh, would only come out every other week. But now, thanks to your generous support, it comes out weekly because we are able to do that because you all have been so kind to us. Um, and your your uh, contributions to the network and to our show specifically really help us to make all of the stuff that we make. Um, and we and and it's it's really the the reason that we're still doing all this stuff. So it's a direct one-to-one. If you like what we make, um, if you could go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join and uh, help us make it with your financial support, it really is a huge help. And and listen, it's not just us. At this point, we've been doing this for over a decade. Justin's mentioned Jupiter. Uh, There's also Sarah and Amanda. And if you like merch designs, that's McKay. Uh, We've got our editor, Rachel. Uh, we've got Tom helping us doing more video stuff now, doing the virtual live shows. We've got Danielle. We've got uh, Alice. Shannon. Shannon. Like, there's a team of people that help us make good stuff and tell you about it and get it in front of your ears and eyeballs. And we wouldn't be able to pay those people. We wouldn't be able to work with them if it wasn't for the support that you've given us over the years. Uh, it's been able, uh, given us the option to not only grow this uh, as our jobs, but grow it so that we're doing more and more stuff uh, that we're able to bring you more stuff and all of that we wouldn't be able to do without the support that you give us every year in Max Fund Drive. It means so much to us and so much to the team. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for that support. When we talked about the bonus content that's available that, you know, when you when you do Make that commitment. What is it this year? What is it this year for Taz? For Taz, it's Charlieverse 2, cartoon, cartoonier, and cartooniest. <laughs> Which is a real tr- a real treat. If you w- we appreciate all the nice things you've said about Steeple Chase so far, but I think Charlie has some sort of once in a lifetime gift. Um, and if you want to support that, then I think you know this is this is the way to do it. Yeah. And and if you if you liked everything everywhere all at once. You, you, the Charlie verse is like that. light years yeah, beyond sure. that. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Not not overselling it at all. Um, <laughs> and if you're interested in the making of it, uh, we did. Uh, Justin and Charlie did a uh, making of the Charlie verse audio as an extra piece of bonus content. You can hear the making of uh, the Charlie verse. The power is in your hands. Uh, Justin, is there anything else you want to say about Seal Chase before we wrap up? Um. Basically, any feedback anywhere in terms of like, do you want me to look it up? I'll read it. We're gonna look up feedback and tell it to Justin while he wraps up here. Um, I'd super rather you didn't, but um, I, you know, if you're enjoying it and you want to tell other people, like, hey, this is good, you can listen to it, that's cool. I would really appreciate it. Um, 
because I feel really proud of it. Um, and I think it's, it says a lot about the, the whole thing feels like a little bit of me that I'm like encapsulating in this arc, which is cool. The sense that I, I'm able to put a little bit of myself into this, uh, this thing and crystallize this, this person that I am right now. And the fact that people are into it is very, um, it's very nice. I, I, I'm assuming they're into it just based on these questions because it'd be weird to ask questions like this if you don't care right. about it. Hey, um, um, so yeah. one last question from me as we wrap up. Did you always yeah. have plans for the Creaky Man, or was that a joke that became a, a, a real boy? Can't talk about that. Oh, why? Because can't talk about that. <sighs> Man. Next, I have okay. very I have very few things <laughs> that I know. I have very I have so little that I know anymore, Mac. I can't I can't I know. Uh, no, I, oh trust okay. me, I'm there, bud. I'm there. Okay. Okay. Well next Thanks for next, listening next though. Tab. And thanks for donating maximumfund.org forward slash join is the URL. And thanks for all the questions too. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool of you. Thank you so much. Um we'll be back at this exact same like time slot, because that's how podcasts work. Yeah. Uh, with a new episode of the Adventure Zone Steeplechase next time. And as Griffin says at the end of every episode of the event. The oh, Adventure I thought you were going to quote. No, you go ahead. As Griffin say, you, say, you, you know what, Juice? You can say it this time. Justin is my hero. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.